0: Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, let me invite you to take your Bibles and go to Genesis 39. Genesis 39. We're in a series called Running with the Giants. What we've done is over the last five weeks, we've been looking at different people in scripture that are giants, so to speak, in their faith. We've looked at Abraham. We, we've looked at uh, Nehemiah. J- uh, J.J. did that a few weeks ago. We keep looking at these people, and we're learning from them how they were heroes of the faith, how they were giants, and we're asking ourselves how we could do that, how we can live that way today in our life. So today we're going to look at Joseph. Life of Joseph, Genesis 39. You should turn in there. Uh, 2011, some of you are aware I, I did this in 2011 before I came on staff here. God was leading me to take a 40-day journey, a personal journey for 40 days that that required me to fast and eat nothing for that 40 days. And that 40 days, I, I, I didn't eat at a meal. Uh, there, there was a few things I did to keep some nutrients in me uh a v8 juice that kind of thing one a day or something like that but most of the time I didn't eat anything and and I'll be honest with you if those of you know me that's a that's a big deal uh, because I, I like I enjoy food but I felt God leading me to take that journey so for 40 days I didn't eat a thing in fact the only people I told were my wife Uh, because she needed to know uh, why it wasn't that I didn't like her cooking it was just that God had led me on this journey and then I told the staff at church and I only told them because I didn't know what my body would do in that 40 days I consulted with my doctor uh, and he agreed I, I didn't know what my body would do and if I passed out preaching or doing something I needed somebody to know what was going on and so those are the only people I I told that that journey on and and for 40 days it was it was it was a challenge I would spend those times uh, focusing on God rather than food but I gotta admit one night uh, Pam and Drew had gone to Frankfurt to be with her family It was a weekend, it was a Friday night, I remember I was going to go to the home improvement store there in town and I was going to get some stuff, I was doing something around the house, and as I got out of the car, I could smell Rafferty's. Now Rafferty's was a mile down the road, but if you've ever had steaks at Rafferty's, if you've ever been around Rafferty's, you know how good those steaks are. And I remember getting out of that car, and that smell hit me. And I mean, it almost brought me to my knees. I began, I began so much of a wrestling match, because I could, I could just taste that steak. I began to think things like, well, nobody's here. I mean... The only people who know that I'm not eating is the staff and my wife. She's out of town. Staff not going to see me eat this. I, I, could just, I could just roll up, get it to go, go home and eat it, and then I will bag it up separately and take it to a dumpster someplace in town that nobody could find. And nobody will know. I remember that night vividly. You know, that happens to to all of us. You may not be in a fast, but you're faced with things every day that you know you should or you should not do. And, And there's this moment inside you that you have this wrestling match, well, who's gonna know? I mean, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, at the end of the day, I could have, I was thinking, and let's go get that steak. I mean, how many other people have given up food for 30-some days? I'm better than they are. I'm more spiritual than they are because I've done it at least this long. And you begin to wrestle with that. This morning, I want to look at the life of Joseph. I want to talk about living with convictions because we are losing our influence on the culture because we're giving in on our convictions. And when I say we, I mean the church at large, believers at large, because we continue this wrestling match over our convictions and we begin to go. I don't know if that's, well, is that really worth, is that really worth anything? Ah, Maybe it's not. Let's just give in. Everybody else is doing it. And by doing so, our testimony is being lost. So if you have your Bibles and you're at Genesis 39, we're going to read six verses. Would you stand as we read these six verses? Beginning in verse 6. Potiphar left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was a well-built and handsome man. After some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, Sleep with me. But he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, With me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house. And he's put me, put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. So how could I do this immensely evil and how could I sin against God? Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her one day he went into the house to do his work. And none of the household servants were there. She grabbed him by his garment and she said, sleep with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. You maybe see it? So it's a Genesis 39, maybe a story you're familiar with. Let's 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 give some background for those who aren't familiar with Joseph at this point in Joseph's life Joseph is is a guy that God has been using over and over but he's also a guy that has had difficulties in all his life he was the the second to the youngest uh by his father loved by his father um his father gave him a coat of many colors uh and he saw these visions and dreams and his brothers just got frustrated with him because his vision and dreams would be that, that i saw this dream that all of you will bow down to me now listen uh if my sister who's six years younger than me looked at me and says there's going to come a day you're going to bow down to me there would be a few things i would say to her that i probably shouldn't say from this point position in the church but but you know i can only imagine what joseph's brother said and so it became such a tug of war that they decided they're going to kill him but no let's don't kill him we'll sell him let's make money and we'll tell he's dead and so that's what they did what they sold him it was a traveling merchants came by and they sold him and so what happened was joseph got bought by potiphar potiphar here is a man of authority a man who has great wealth, a man who has a lot of things. He saw God's hand on Joseph's life. So he put Joseph in charge of everything so that they could, so he could handle the things and see things. But there came this moment in Joseph's life here that Potiphar's wife wanted more. Here's the big idea for you this morning. You catch it on the screen there. As believers, we need to have a strong and committed relationship with God or else we'll give in when we're challenged. We have to have a strong and committed relationship with God or else we're just going to give in to everything that comes our way. And so for us this morning, when looking at Joseph's life and living a life of conviction, the question has to be for us, how strong and how committed are we to Christ and his love for us? And so this morning, as we look at our text, I want you to look at one verse, and you're going to see it on the screen, you'll see it the whole service. Just one verse. Verse 9. Because in verse 9, we find this idea here of what it means to live by conviction. The first thing I want you to catch, and you don't have any notes, you just have to listen today or write them down as you go, is you got to recognize sin. we got to recognize sin. There comes this point in Joseph's life when he, when he understands what sin is. Potiphar's wife is coming to him and asking him to sleep with her. Now, listen, he is a slave. Don't miss this. Purchased by Potiphar, a slave. When Potiphar's not there, the second in command, outside of Potiphar, outside of Joseph, is her. And most wives can, can, can tell a slave what to do and when to do it and those types of things. And her command to him was... Sleep with me. But Joseph understood what sin was. Listen, we live in a world that doesn't want to define sin anymore. We, we live in a world that sin is an ugly three-letter word. We change the idea of sin in fact Satan loves that thought process because Satan wants to to cause us to fall into sin and to stop godliness from happening in our life and so what Satan does is he begins to make us rethink things and in that rethinking we stop using the word sin and we start calling it something else for example Gluttony. We don't use that word anymore. We're just enjoying the taste of life now. You get it? We're no longer we don't use the word bitter or angry, we're just expressing ourselves. And sometimes we express them plainly. We speak the truth. But we forget that the Bible tells us to that our words matter. And in how we speak, the truth matters. That love should be the dominant theme in the way we speak. But we don't call anger or bitterness sin anymore. We, we, we change the thought process. Coveting. We don't talk about coveting. We're just trying to improve ourselves. We're trying to help ourselves, grow ourselves make a better portfolio for ourselves. All these things, we, we no longer see a sin, but we change the, the topic. When it comes to sex, we talk about alternative lifestyle. I'm not immoral, I've just got an alternative lifestyle. Or if it's between heterosexual couples, it's just we're, we're saving money. We're trying it out. We don't want to make a mistake. There's all sorts of things we do to skirt from having to to recognize what we're doing is sin. There's all sorts of things that we say, and basically, what we try to do is to justify our actions. Listen, friends, it's not us who needs to justify our actions. God has already made clear what sin is. We just need to be obedient to sin. But we find ourselves in this wrestling match. We find ourselves thinking, "If I, it's not really sin. It's just something different." Years ago, George Leonard was the senior editor of uh, of Look magazine, and it was in the '60s that he would promote uh, the sexual revolution. And you know, he used his, his place in that magazine to try to, to encourage that, promote that lifestyle. In fact, in that magazine in 1970, he wrote these words: "A society that considers most good feelings immoral and bad feelings moral." Catch that. A society that considers most good feelings immoral. And bad feelings, moral, perpetuates the ultimate human heresy. It's an insult, if you will, to God and His works. Basically, what Leonard said is if it's good, if it feels good, then it must be God. So why would we say these types of things, this sexual revolution is wrong? Why would we go down this path? It's good. It feels good. And so he used his position to push that. But it was interesting, in 1983, in a publication called The End of Sex, he he had a different look on things. He wrote this. He says he... That the sexual revolution has not done what proponents claimed it was to do. It has not enhanced sex, but instead it has only cheapened love. He went on to say, I have learned that there are no games without rules. An interesting change in his thought process there. that, That there was this idea that he could justify this good feeling, this revolution. And so he used his position to do that, but only later to come to realize how wrong that was. It didn't enhance love, but it cheapened it. We cheapen God's grace when we try to justify our actions. We cheapen God's love for us when when we argue that we're right in the way we deal with people, and how we handle our family or our finances or our careers. Joseph comes to this place, and he realizes what sin is. Do you realize what sin is? Right, have you wrestled with what sin is in your life? Do you, do you evaluate your life and recognize how you're living and what you're living and what you're doing, if it's sinful or if it's pleasing to God? Or do you justify yourself? you justify your actions? If we're going to run with the giants, there's no justifying. God's already declared what sin is. Our role is just to live that way second thing we find in this text is that that Joseph recognized that sin hurts others that sin hurts others I mean when you look at this verse 9 look at it with me again it says no one in this house is greater than I am he has withheld nothing from me except you Because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil? Hurts others. So he comes to a place and recognizes that Potiphar, who rescued him, redeemed him, put him in charge. And he looks at Potiphar's wife and says, how could I do this immensely evil thing? He knows by what he does, he will hurt Potiphar. He knows what he does will also hurt Potiphar's wife because she's married to Potiphar. And so he realizes the hurt that happens by doing this evil thing. Listen, sin is not something that happens and it doesn't affect us and it doesn't affect other relationships it affects everything we do you begin a life of of cover up and sin it affects your marriage it affects your work it affects your family it affects your friends the only way to come out of that is to confess and to deal with that And that means whether it's embezzling, whether it's telling a lie, whether it's hurting somebody. If you've ever found your spouse in a lie to you, you know the pain that that causes. And sometimes we try to justify ourselves as to why we lie or why we do something. But it just makes the pain that much more greater. One of the hardest days in ministry for me when I was in student ministry happened because two families in our student ministry who had multiple kids, the husband of one family had an affair with the wife of the other. And it became public. And it became a a difficult situation to watch these teenagers who were friends realize that their parents now had destroyed so much the mother of the one said to her daughter don't you just want me to be happy can't you just be happy for me God doesn't want me not to be happy again a justifiable response and what those two families didn't understand was the the difficulty that played out with her kids. Because the students began to think, well, who's at fault? Did my dad lead this on, or did her mom seduce my dad? And then it became a tug of war between them and between friends. And if you've ever been in a friendship with folks who get a divorce, no matter what you think, it's difficult to stay friends with everybody because... Well, those are your friends, you take them and I'll go over here. Or I'll just leave. Sin hurts others. And you you can, I realize Joseph's whole, whole moment here is a sexual issue, but you can take that into embezzlement, you can take that into the way you treat others, it just destroys relationships and people. So if you're going to run with the giants, you've got to recognize what sin is. And then you've got to understand that falling into sin hurts others. That if you go down that path, you're not just talking about you. It affects family and others. So the third thing I want you to catch from this one verse is not only does Joseph recognize Sin. He realizes it hurts others. And he realizes it offends God. It offends God. Look there at the end of that verse. It says, How can I do this immensely evil thing? And how can I sin against God? Think about those words for just a minute. How can I sin against God? Think of it this way. How can I, a person who's been saved by grace, who deserves nothing in this world but what hell has to offer, how can I, a person who's been redeemed by God himself, how can I, a person who God has, has called me out of this sinful life and put me into a, a holy life, how can I sin against God? When you start realizing all that that entails, all that God has done, all that God has done in your life, the question has to be, how can I, why would I, want to do this sinful thing against God listen Joseph's life was turned upside down from the time he sold into slavery to the time he's finally before the king and working and doing as God had called him to do 13 years takes place 13 years Listen, just because you recognize who God is, you recognize sin, you recognize what is, how it hurts others, and you recognize not to offend God, doesn't mean life's going to go great for you. He still, after this, he does the right thing and still ends up in jail. But God's still holy. And he's still honoring God. And God still uses him even in the jail cell. Please don't buy into the lie that if you'll just do good, God will reward you. Listen, hell happens to everybody. You have one of those days. You have one of those months. You go through that for a period. But God's still on His throne. He doesn't let you do it by by yourself. He doesn't leave you alone. He walks with you. But we be obedient. So, what are the lessons we learn? From Joseph. Here's the lessons we learned. First, got to talk the talk. We have to talk the talk. Listen, he knew what sin is, and he called what, what it was sin. We have to talk that talk. We have to acknowledge that sin, and you have to call it. You have to realize what sin is in your life, and you have to, to say, this is sinful, and I don't need it. You have to realize you can't justify it. You just have to acknowledge it. You've got to talk the talk. Secondly, you've got to walk the talk. You've got to walk the talk. In other words, it's, it's not okay just to say, well, this is sin, and then to turn your back and go do it. You've got to realize. And, and then you've got to live a life that says, no, i got to escape from that. The moment that thought comes into my mind, I have to get away from that thought. I mean, the thought's there, but there's still victory to be won because that thought has not taken you captive. That thought has not caused you to act. So in that moment, you've got to walk and you've got to, To take off, you can't just talk about it. Too many people in their life have have spent talking about sin and yet living in sin. You have to talk about it and walk that talk. Joseph was a man who, who proclaimed God, who recognized what sin was. He not only talked about it, but he walked that talk. And then you gotta practice that talk. Thirdly, you've got to practice that talk. Because here's the thing there's gonna be a moment when you're faced with that sinful challenge. And you've got to decide am I gonna give in or get out? And here's the thing. If you wait till you're in the middle of sin, if you wait till you're right there, it's too late. These decisions have to be made long before that moment. You've got to have a conviction long before that moment. If you start trying to find conviction in the middle of sinful desires, you've messed up. You're already gonna give in. So you gotta practice that long before it becomes an issue. So you gotta practice that talk. So there I was standing in the middle of Lowe's parking lot longing for that steak. I could taste that steak. I don't know, do y'all, if, y'all now, if you've all never had the steak at, at Rafferty's, I'd encourage you, they, 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 they marinate it in pineapple juice and all sorts of things. I mean, when it hits that grill, it's just got this aroma. And I could smell that. I could smell everything about that steak and it was just calling my name. And I started thinking, Oh, a baked potato would go really well with that steak. Loaded. Butter, and sour cream, cheese, bacon bits, onions. Y'all getting hungry? I mean, it was one of those moments that that I was in that parking lot wrestling with that thought. And again, who would have seen me? Nobody at Rafferty's knew I was on a 40-day fast. My family was gone. The staff wasn't at my house. But here's the thing. I knew what God had called me to do. I I knew that he had said, for 40 days, I want you to love me more than you love food. He wants that every day. But in this 40 days, give up food for me. And while I have made that, while that that moment may have seemed like a thousand years in that parking lot, it really wasn't that long because I remember standing there, smelling that aroma and going, get thee behind me, Satan. I ran into Lowe's, got what I needed, ran out as fast as I could and got in the car and went home. There wasn't any reason for me to hang around. The longer I hung around, the better that thing smelled, the closer I would come to give it in. But I went home that night and I got down on my knees and said, God, you're greater than that steak. I need you more than that steak. Now, that was a, a great learning moment for me in, in that 40 days. But I mean, if I was honest with you, there have been other moments that God has called me to to do something that I have not done and I've justified my actions. Well, I didn't say anything because God said, I put that person in your life for you to share the gospel and you, you didn't. Well, God, I just didn't think. You're right, you just didn't think. The question for us is how much are we living with conviction and how much are we justifying how we live can't run with the Giants if you don't live with conviction if you're here this morning if you never confess Christ is your personal Lord and Savior you have no conviction God's not placed that in your heart he's not revealed to you or helped you understand that his grace is sufficient That his love is greater than anything you'll face in this earth. But today you can begin that. If you'll come to Christ. If you'll confess that you need him. Surrender saying you're greater than what I face. You're greater than what I need. I give my life to you. If that's your heart today. I want to invite you to come to the front. I'll be here. Mike's here. Go outside. We'll we'll pray with you. We'll talk to you. Maybe there's another decision on your heart that God's calling you to. Would you respond? Maybe it's to join our church family. Maybe it's, maybe you just need to come to our wooden altar at the moment while we're rebuilding these steps and just pray and say, God, I want to live with conviction. Forgive me for justifying. Whatever the case may be, would you respond? Would you stand with me this morning?